This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 379 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, Kentucky Performance Products, and EcoVet. On today's show, we're going to talk with Jody Kelly about her relief efforts to help equine victims of Louisiana flooding. Olympian Laura Graves and Janet Foy talks through the Grand Prix special with us for the Total Saddle Fit tip. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer Jen tonight. Hi, hey. Jen. Hey. Hello. I had to turn my <laughs> I had to turn my volume back on. I have it turned uh, down. Okay. It's raining really hard, and I didn't want that to rain in on your. Uh, okay. I don't audio. think we can hear it. No, but and we were we're worried about you. You're in you're in Ocala, Florida, right now, getting pummeled by the storm. Yeah, we are getting torrential downpours, mm-hmm. and we have officially put a life vest on Glory the Greyhound, and <laughs> we've sandbagged the barn. <laughs> oh my gosh! Right? I mean, wow. So, but you guys, it's just a lot of rain at the moment, right? You're going to be okay. In Ocala, it looks like we are going to get mostly rain with a very brief period of medium winds in the 50 mile an hour range for just a few hours. Uh, further north of us, up towards the Florida Georgia border, it's going to get ugly. So, if you're up in that area, um, more power to you. Hopes and prayers. Batten down they the hatches. Say- yeah, hunker down. Before I put myself on mute permanently for the rest of the show, I wanted to let everybody know <laughs> that because we're on vacation, lots of great new shows on all the shows. It's not just reruns while we're away, so make sure you keep tuning in. But we're going to have a listener meetup while we are in Colorado at the Colorado Horse Park. And that's going to happen on September 17th. And there's a three-day event going on that weekend, and it's cross-country day on September 17th. We thought that would be a fun day to be out there. And Glenn and I are going to be there and uh, hopefully several other HRN hosts. And we're going to be at the Family Festival, which is going on at the same time as the event at the Colorado Horse Park. And we're going to meet at the Pony Ride area. That's easy to remember. So fun. Oh, we're (laughs) bummed. We're not going to be able to be there, but you guys are having a big time. There we go. 11 o'clock at the Pony Ride area at the Colorado Horse Park. Come on out and uh, say hi to everybody and have a good time. Awesome. We've got an awesome show. Really, really excited about all our guests today, um, and I think everyone's going to enjoy. So we'll get right to it. we got lots of content tonight, so we'll get right to it. And right after this commercial break, we're going to, from EcoVet, we're going to come back from uh, a good friend of ours, Jody Kelly, who uh, has been running, actually, a Louisiana flood relief and, and working with a, with a nonprofit in her area, and it's quite a cool story. So we hope you enjoy. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your horse could enjoy a zone of repellency from pesky flies? Well, he can, with EcoVet. EcoVet is an entirely new type of fly repellent that is safe for horses and those applying it, offering a real alternative to toxic pesticides like pyrethrins. EcoVet confuses an insect's normal directional ability, the bug's GPS, if you will. So if it can't locate your horse, it can't bite your horse. 
Dr. Wendy Ying from the Driving Radio Show has been using it in South Florida, also known as the Jurassic Park of biting insects, and she just loves it. EcoVet's active ingredients are naturally occurring food-grade fatty acids that have been clinically shown to improve the condition of horses with difficult-to-treat Swedish problems. EcoVet is effective on mosquitoes, ticks, noceums, as well as flies. You can visit EcoVet online at eco-vet.com for more information or to order. You can find EcoVet at Dover Saddlery Stores and EcoVets on Facebook. Just search EcoVet, E-C-O-V-E-T. Well, tonight we are so happy to have a good friend of our show, Jody Kelly, on the line. Jody, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, you have been doing an incredible uh, relief effort, and we wanted to have you on uh, uh, because we support you and we love you, and we're so proud. <laughs> You've been running the Louisiana Flood Relief. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on down there? Sure. Well, I, okay. I can't really say that I'm running it. I it's just such a small part of what we what we've done that has contributed to us. so many people making such a huge effort. But um, you know, we're we're in the Panhandle of Florida, so we're very close to Louisiana. I have a lot of friends that live there. I have a lot of clients that are from there. Um, and as all the flooding started to happen, I um, I touched base with all of them and personally. I'm, I'm thankful that all everybody that I know directly was high and dry and their horses were okay and some of the horses I had here already, so all of that was okay. But then um, as I was watching it, it's just these – there were roads that I would drive through regularly that had eight feet of water on them, and, you know, and you kept hearing about all of these animals that were going different places. And um, I just felt like we needed to contribute something, and um, – a lot of people evacuated to um, several big centers, and one was the uh, um, Lamar Dixon Expo Center in Gonzales, Louisiana. And they, I heard at one point they had over 300 horses, um, I think over 100 cows, and then so many dogs and cats that I don't, I, I don't even know what the count was on that. And um, and so those horses were safe; they were okay. But I know what it's like to be evacuated. Living right here on the coast, we've evacuated before, and once you're you get out, it's like, okay, great, I've gotten there safely, and then you're stuck as far as supplies go and help, and then not knowing if your home is still there, not knowing if your barn is still standing, you know, and all your focus is just trying to take care of your horses at that moment. And um, so I, I was trying to think of something, and uh, some people around us were spending hay and paying for hay, like 10 and 20 bales at a time, which I know every little bit was helping, but I also know that you know, a lot of those horses, there were competition horses, show horses that are used to being on a very regular schedule. And um, I was actually really concerned about the consistency of what they were getting. If, you know, you get 10 bales of hay from here and 10 bales of hay from there and nothing's really consistent. So I thought I talked to my hay, um, the guy that delivers my hay, and um, we get our round bales um, 30,000 pounds at a time. It's, we get 30 round bales at a time and they're each 1,000 pounds each. And I thought, you know, if I can get one load put together, send it all over there, that it at least could give some consistency to the hay for, it wouldn't last that long, but at least for several days in a row. And so I sent out a text to, uh, I talked to our hay guy to see if he was willing and able to do that. He said, absolutely. He had plenty of hay. He was willing to make the drive. He gave us a price of um, about $4,000. It was slightly less than 4000 So I thought, okay, I'm going to 
see if I can just get some money for that. And in the meantime, we work with a local animal refuge, um, Aliquot Animal Refuge, that takes, they do a lot of um, small animals, but they also take in horses and hear occasional cow and donkey, anything hmm. um, that's that is need, in need of a home. And um, my mom's on the board, so I was talking to Laurie about it, about her helping me um, we, doing it through her and through a nonprofit organization, you know, just to do it all correctly. And um, she was telling us about some horses that they were taking in, and she was working on trying to get a ride over for them. And originally, I was actually thinking that I might just run get them because we usually try to help her as much as we can with the horse side of it. She's got a lot of volunteers that do the dogs and cats. Um, but there were six of them, and I have a four horse trailer, and they were, these four horses were already an abuse case that had been taken in by a refuge over in Louisiana and then the refuge flooded. So first oh they gosh. were abuse cases and then they were flood victims. These mm. poor horses had like been through the ringer. And so we were trying to figure out for me to go get them. And we actually decided my, I have a four horse um, head to head and we were actually thinking it was not safe for them to be in like straight stalls with dividers. Cause these horses, you never know how much they've been handled and, um, most of the time they haven't been that much. So we found a guy that had a stock trailer. They could go get them. And, um, so we, and we got a, a price from him and, um, asked him about, um, asked him about bringing them. And so when I sent out the text to, uh, my clients, I included the shipment cost. And so the total was like $5,500. Um, and I, um, so the total was $5,500, and so I sent out a text to my clients and told them what was going on, and within an afternoon, I had the money for the shipping and for the um, for the hay, and I was like, wow. wow, that's amazing, yeah, and like my clients just stepped up to the plate, they all did, nobody asked questions, they all were just absolutely on it. So that was a Friday, so I talked to Otis, the hay man, and got everything organized, and so I just put a little thing on Facebook Saturday morning, just kind of a shout out to my clients, and, you know, I was really proud of everybody for stepping up and making it a team effort, and um, so just kind of a little shout out on Facebook, and oh my gosh, the whole thing just grew legs, <laughs> and at the same time that I had spoken to Laurie, the lady from Aliqua, about um about these horses, she also put a thing on the Aliqua Facebook page and set up an account only for the Louisiana um, rescue efforts. And um, she also managed to raise the money through her website. She raised enough money for the shipping of the horses too. So I was able to use the money that I raised for that um, to put towards something else. And I just kind of was, I wasn't sure what I was going to put it to. And then when I got the shout out, uh, when I put the shout out on Facebook and I started to get all this response before, within two hours, I had enough money to send a whole nother shipment of hay. And so I was wow. like, wow. And so I talked to my contact there and I was, you know, and I said, this, cause that's a lot of hay at a time. And then they had been putting an all call out for hay um, pretty regularly. So I was, I was concerned that they already had enough, you know? And so she said mm -hmm. what they need even more so than hay was shavings. And so I was like, okay, I have a shavings contract as well. And, um, Eddie Chalmers from Suncoast Shavings is amazing. And I've known him for quite a while. And this was still on a Saturday. I text Eddie on Saturday and I said, Hey, this is what's going on. 
And when I told the lady at Lamar Dixon that I had a contact, she she was. That's when you know the relief is. The efforts are really worth it. She started to cry on the phone. She was Aww. like, "Oh my gosh, if you can get us shavings, you would be an angel." And I was like, "You know, that." And it was just such a personal to actually be speaking to her and have it so really mean something. You know, it's not like your donations. I mean, you always hope they go in the right place, but to directly talk to somebody that it would impact is was was pretty amazing. So I told Eddie about it, and he said, I can get a price for you Monday morning. And so Suncoast was amazing. They actually covered the freight for the tractor trailer. Wow. And um, so they gave us a good, and then they gave us a break on the shavings price cause, because it was for flood relief. And um, sure enough, he texted me first thing Monday morning, and um, we were able to actually have a truck there as <laughs> earlier than they needed it. Um, and so they we're moving things around a little bit and needed it delivered Wednesday instead of Tuesday. And so just like clockwork, it, um, the shavings got there. We sent 1400 bags to Lamar Dixon. And, um, when it got there, I got a phone call from the, it's the LSTART, which is the Louisiana state animal rescue team. And she was the head equine vet. And she was again, so grateful and so appreciative. And it was just really cool. Um, but as, I've collected money for each of those things. Um, the, the Facebook thing has spread like crazy and I'm still getting money. And in the end, I think what I've gotten, um, and most of it has actually already come into me is close to $15,000. Wow. Wow. So yeah, I went from trying to get 5,500 to, um, yeah, to the 15,000. So that covered the hay, it covered a shavings, um, delivery. And now I, um, I've gotten to where I've just now <laughs> I did all, I did both of those based on people's pledges, but not actually physically having the money, you know, and it just takes mm-hmm. a few days and most people are good on their word and you expect them to be. Um, but I thought, eh, you know, I should wait before I send something else huge just to mm-hmm. make sure the money, all the money comes in that has been pledged. And as of now, I'm only short a couple of checks, but for the most part, it's all come in. Um, and like I said, I'm doing it all through Laurie at Aliqua. So now we're just, now that the money, the last chunk of money's come in, we're going to put it together with what she's gotten from the relief efforts, which um, she, I think, got almost 15000 as well. So between the wow. two of us, we've gotten almost $30,000. And it all goes directly towards flood victims. Um, so now we're going to figure out what our last big chunk is going to be. I think it's, um, she's been in touch with um, Diane, uh, it's a vet diamond, something diamond vet clinic um, that's over there. That's actually taken in a lot of horses. Um, and I think we're going to do something to support that and pay some of the vet bills and that kind of stuff. Um, because a lot of the horses ha- are getting what they call a water line. I'm not sure if that was, if that was a name before or if they've just named it since the flood, but yeah. these horses literally have water lines on them from where they've been standing wow. in water so long and their skin is just fluffing off and rotting oh. from that water line oh, down. So, um, so they're in like constant bandages and I mean, it's a lot of work. Um, but those horses all have homes. They're not, you know, they don't need to be rescued. They just need to be taken care of until their homes sure. are rebuilt and they're healthy again. So, um, oh. so we've been sending money. And so I think we, um, she got, um, Jeffers to donate a lot of stuff, supply stuff to send directly over there. And then um, I think we're going to send maybe that last chunk of money for, um, for 
uh, to pay vet bills. Awesome. Well, Jody, I mean, this is such an incredible story. And I think, you know, we all sometimes social media isn't, isn't great. But in this case, what, what a cool thing that everybody stepped up and for you and your whole team to organize it is fantastic. Yeah, it, it really was amazing. Yeah, because social media certainly can be, uh, you know, a thorn in your side for so many things. Um, but and but this time it wasn't. I and mean, it just was amazing. And I was, I was shocked at how many people reached out from truly all like I got checks from Seattle, from California, from the Northeast. I'm in Florida and everywhere in between, you know, you're in Kentucky. I mean, it really was amazing how many people reached out. It just goes to show you that I think a lot of the time people want to help, but don't necessarily have a, have a direction, you know? Um, and, 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 and it's always so risky with organizations, you know, and I know most of the time mm-hmm. organizations do such great things, but it, it was interesting. At first, I was trying to direct a lot of the checks just straight to Aliqua because I know how upfront and honest they are, and I and I know personally that all of the proceeds go 100% to the animals. But most people were like, "No, we'd rather send it to you." You know, it's mm-hmm. yeah, and so I think mm-hmm. people end up maybe not donating so much because they're leery of it, which is, you know, it's justified in a lot of places. But um, so it was really cool to be able to give people somewhere to to donate directly and and it just yeah so jody are you still taking donations and if our listeners if anybody wants to send donations where how where would they send them absolutely they can send them to me at 4311 derby lane like the kentucky derby um destin florida d-e-s-t-i-n florida 32541 um and at this point if the checks can be made to aliquah but it's so much easier for me. How do you spell that? Um, Aliqua is A L A Q U A. Animal Refuge. Perfect. And well, those the ones that I'm collecting for is directly for helping the horses um, because they're an animal animal refuge for everything. So their fund is for covers all the animals, no matter what. It's animal flood relief, but mine is directly for the horses. Awesome. Well, Jody, thank you so much for your time tonight. And it's just an awesome story. And we're all so proud Absolutely. of you. And, and hopefully thank we can so we much. can send a little extra push for those vet bills. Perfect. That sounds great. I appreciate it. So right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we've got Olympic superstar Laura Graves. We're so happy to have her. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, this evening, I told all of you guys that we have a special treat. We have Laura Graves on the line, and really, she doesn't need an introduction. She really is amazing, and we're so happy to have you, Laura. Thanks for coming on. Hi, you guys. It's always fun to be on your show. 
Well, we love it. And we were just chatting right before we got on air. I'm a little nervous, Laura, talking to you because you're just so cool and so sweet. And uh, let's just get started. Like, what was it like starting in Wellington, leading to the Olympics? What's, you know, the last six months, what, what has it been like? You know, it's really been, um, people look at my life and they think once you've made it, that it's just kind of this constant plugging away in an upward manner. And it's really, this year's been, um, a roller coaster, just like every other year of my life. (laughs) And, um, we've, we've certainly had some lows and we've had some exceptional highs and, um, obviously culminating with the Olympics and, um, it's been tough. We've been on the road for about six and a half months altogether, uh, my horses and I. And um, and now we're home and, and taking some time to reflect on it all. It's kind of crazy to think about everywhere that your horses have taken you. Oh, I bet. And and Diddy has really <laughs> taken, you, taken you all over the world. So you guys sort of, you qualified, you made the list. I mean, you were pretty much going to Europe from the start. So you went to Europe. So tell us, where yeah. were you based and what was that like? I mean, that just training like that. Yeah, every time um, I've been to Europe, this is now my second tour uh, with a team. And uh, I'm lucky that I was based at this same farm when I was on the tour for the World Games two years ago. And so I knew the situation we were flying into. And it's this incredibly beautiful farm in Belgium, which gives us uh, really easy driving to Germany and Holland and France, actually, too. And, um, and it just has everything. It has an indoor arena. It has a, a hot walker. It has a lunging pen. The stalls are I mean, just beautiful. Everything is so well kept at this farm. Um, And the hosts are just so gracious. And, of course, I can't say the name of their farm. Um, But we'll we'll tag it in this episode because I'll just butcher it. But the owner, owner, Rob, just gives us everything that he can. And they, they cook for us. I mean, it's a really nice time. And they make us part of their family. And, um, and yeah, so we had a whole bunch of horses over there, I think. What all together? Shelly Francis had three. Stefan had two. Um, Allie Brock had a young horse, so she had two. Set seven, eight, nine. We had about ten horses um, in the barn and full time, and it was just a really—you could not ask for a better group of people to be on tour with. We kind of staggered our riding so we could all watch each other and help each other and everything just came from a really positive place and I think uh, this year was something unlike we've experienced as a country in dressage for quite a while. Yeah, that was amazing to see, just to watch and, you know, be on Facebook with everybody and see and, and just how well everyone really, you guys generally seem to like each other, which was cool to yeah, see. It's, it's, it's way more than that. I mean, we all stay in touch now. I mean, we probably, I talked to one of my teammates at least every day. Wow. Um, so there's certainly nothing at all forced about it. We're not just saying that. So you guys think we all get along and that it's really <laughs> a good time. We, we genuinely very much get along and have plans. You know, we can't wait to all meet in Florida again and, um, and get our commemorative Olympic ring tattoos. And yes! you know, we're all oh. holding, yeah, we're so totally cool. holding off on it so we can all do it together. <laughs> That is just, awesome. Uh, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm like, I've got it So it's, no, it's the real deal. And um, it's very, very special. 
That's so what true. were you thinking in the in the competitions in Europe leading up to the games? I mean, what were your your own personal goals with Diddy, and and what were you uh, looking to do or or, or uh, you know to work on? Yeah, I mean it's um, it's tough because people when they know you've had a, a certain score average, maybe that you've been maintaining, you want to break that and you want to improve, and you want the judges to see you improve and. Uh, my biggest fear is not improving in life and and not reaching goals. And so um, that's tough, you know, to go out every time. And I did have some of that. I had uh, a fantastic school at our first show in France. We went to Compiègne, which was a Nations Cup, where um, Casey Perry led our team. And um, we dominated that show. Unfortunately, due to weather, we weren't able to ride our second um, class. Um, and that was just a real push in the direction which we ended up winning the nation's cup series, which is amazing for the United States. Mm -hmm. And, um, it wasn't such a great show for me. My horse felt fantastic, but he was really spooky and, um, you know, it's always a learning experience. Every single show is, and this animal that you think, you know, so well, especially mine that I've had since he was a, a fall, he still surprises me sometimes. And so, um, it can be frustrating and it can be, um, it can make you sad, um, to not have the results that you want to a little disappointing, but, but you take that, you, you lock yourself in your hotel room for a couple of days and you reflect on it and, and you learn your lesson. So, um, we did that. And by the time we came out at Rotterdam, um, I had just this amazing feeling and to win the special at Rotterdam, we had a silver, silver medal ranking in that nation's cup. And, um, that was the note I wanted to end on before the Olympics was just this feeling that I knew what could happen if I wrote a, a really clean test. Yeah. And, um, I had beat the Dutch team. Yes. And so that was, the, yeah, in, 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 Rotter, in Rotterdam. So we were all, yeah, exactly. So we were all super excited kind of going into, I, I sat out Aachen knowing the taste I wanted to leave in people's mouths after Rotterdam. And so, um, we did, and we all made some different choices. Casey made the same choice with me as did Allie. Um, Stefan, you know, who's, who's German born, yeah. couldn't pass up the opportunity to ride at Aachen, which is hmm. a good choice for him. They, they totally welcome him with open arms there. And, um, and he gave a great performance. It was a lot of the same panel that was going to be on the panel for Rio. So, um, that was an interesting choice for some of us to have to make. Yeah, that is, you know, I, I didn't realize that. And that is an interesting, and, and I think, you know, when you get into the international ranks, I mean, those are the things you have to be very conscious of and, and your team has to really look at that and, and what is best for the total team and, and yourself. And, you know, just hearing, you know, just going to the Olympics with that kind of high note from Rotterdam makes yeah. total sense. Yeah, there is a lot of strategy involved. And sometimes, I mean, we don't think of when we're necessarily schooling the, the younger horses or you're riding just for the experience, but um, there is, you know, our sport, the judging is very subjective as much as we try to say that it's not, or it shouldn't be, it is because what we do is an art. So there's always going to be an opinion factor in that scoring. And, um, 
And yeah, so if you if you've made a, a bad impression or you've had maybe not a great ride, a, a human can't help but remember that. And so they're going to be looking for either improvement or they're going to be looking for the same mistakes that you've been making all along. And um, and so yeah, there is strategy involved, especially in a year like this year. Yeah. So, did you see the German team compete in Aachen and and with their big scores and all that? Was that a bit intimidating? <laughs> of course, I did. So, I might not have been riding, but um, <laughs> I watched every, I watched every single test. Yeah. Um, and and it was great. I mean, to watch to watch them, you knew that it was going to be hard for any country to beat the Germans. Um, the quality of riding and the quality of horses they had this year was just a uh, thrilling to watch. Um, you know, they have the young combination of Dorothy Schneider and Showtime, who is just jaw dropping. I can't wait to see him next year. Um, you know, Isabel, who always has something at 80% and, um, and, and Christina, who is the, the world number one. Um, and then they had some really amazing young talent and, um, it was, it was interesting to watch, but, you know, I watched it at Aachen and I thought, you know, my horse is just as good and, and I, I, I can ride like that. And, and I, I get, you know, fired up about things like that. And so I went home and Debbie was with us the whole time and she sat with us through Aachen and, uh, we watched all the tests together. She and Casey and Allie and I and Betsy Giuliano and we analyzed things and we, we would drive back from Aachen back to Belgium that night and we'd school our horses after we watched all the (laughs) German. And so you kind of just say, I can do it better than that. And, and it's not that maybe you weren't trying before, but it's that you're riding with such intensity and focus that it makes you just that much better. And so, um, we really took advantage of the opportunity of being in Europe to observe and not just compete. And, um, for me anyway, that made a huge difference going into Rio. That's great. That's amazing. So you, okay. You've got, you've gone through rocking, you're ready to rock and roll. You go to Rio. I mean, that, what was the shift there? I mean, you, you had a huge plane trip and, and how did you guys prepare for sort of that time of the journey? Yeah, we didn't, we weren't totally sure what to expect. Um, you know, unfortunately there was a, a lot of negative media and, and you can't help but read things. I can't believe anyone would take their horse to the Olympics and they're in Rio. It's so dangerous. How can you do this? And, and the truth was that we, we were privy to a lot of information that maybe the general public was not. Um, you know, I, for one, my horse is my child. And I would, mm-hmm. I would endanger myself a hundred times before I would even think about putting him in harm's way. So, um, and of course you don't want to respond and get, get in an online argument, but <laughs> it was a little disappointing, all the negative, uh, reflections that were coming from people who had maybe not a firsthand look at what was really going on in Rio. And, um, so there, there was some worry for us going in because obviously we see the media too. Uh, but yeah, it was a very long plane ride. The horses had a, an easier trip than we did, but, um, it was great. I mean, you could not ask for better accommodations for the horses. Oversized, huge block stalls. Um, 
it was, I mean, perfect footing in every arena. There were probably, there was an indoor, which was ventilated, so it stayed cool all the time. Then we had three, six, eight or nine outdoor arenas plus the stadium. Wow. Whoa. Um, it was great. There was a ho- the whole cross-country course, which you could reserve. So we went up there a couple of days and schooled or made the horses think they were having a hack. Um, and it was very safe. We were on the military base and people, you know, may have heard about uh, a stray bullet or things like that. But it was it was really actually very safe. Um, and unfortunately, again, the media can look for a story and make things seem like a bigger issue than they were. Um, but the horses were incredibly happy and they had the absolute best of everything. Um, they, they didn't know they were anywhere other than Europe or America. It was to them just as high standards as anywhere in the world. That's cool to hear. We, we've heard that now from everybody is that the venue honestly was, was great and everyone felt safe and sound and, you know, that it really was a great experience, um, which is, which is fantastic. The pictures look really cool and it, and it seems like it, it was, it was much better than everybody had anticipated in a way. Yeah. For so sure. once you got there, I mean, you were there, you got acclimated, then it was time for a competition. So how did you sort of shift from, okay, now we're acclimated to getting back in sort of your game face? Yeah, it was interesting for us because we arrived an entire week before we even jogged. So um, in order for the horses to acclimate and um, a couple of them, my horse included, got quite confused. And he's like, oh, I'm south of the equator now. I should probably grow a winter coat. And so he's like, no, now, now he's back oh. now he's back in Florida. So he's oh. sitting again. But no, it was a week and it was great for the horses. So they did have time, but they all shipped like total champions. Uh, my big fear was that, you know, I count on a certain amount of adrenaline. And so to kind of turn on like the show ring factor. Mm-hmm. And my big fear was that being there a whole week, that maybe we might lose that. Um, so it was, every horse has a different plan and every rider knows their horse needs something different. So it was completely individualized. Some of us schooled every day. Um, my horse, I made sure that he had a couple days off because I knew once the competition started that he would have no days off. And our competition spanned um, two days of Grand Prix, a day of the special, then we had two days off, and then we had a freestyle. So it's basically six days that the horses have to be in competition mode. It's a long um, time. That's much longer, long, right, than any other yeah. competition. Exactly. And most competitions, unless it's an Olympic format Nations Cup, you only ride twice. So um, it's it's something you really have to know, know how to manage your horse for. And um, we're lucky that we have amazing staff and veterinarians to help us make these decisions. But um, it was exciting, you know, shifting into show mode because now we're all at the same venue. We've um, we've all seen each other's school and, you know, <laughs> made a point of it. Yeah. And you're watching, you're watching other people struggle and, and it's really, it makes them human because sometimes we put certain riders above or certain horses above what's normal about, you know, they're, they're just these, 
these robots that perform super super humans and super yeah. horses yeah, super horses but yeah. they're not they they struggle with the same things they have contact issues they have um days that they don't want to go from the leg um you have last minute tack changes on on top horses um i mean you see other teams struggling with the same things that we struggle with at home so it really makes you say like you know what we we deserve to be here. We have a chance at this and we're just going to ride our pants off. And, um, we all approached it with that mentality and every single one of us, I mean, you just knew in the heart of every single rider, we just wanted, we wanted to win. I mean, we were riding for the gold medal and, and we had to settle for bronze. Um, which is that's awesome. Always- I'm just saying, congratulations. High five. I was like, that's awesome. Let's be, let's be real here. We, we will take Very the Canadian cool. out. Phil doesn't get to chat. <laughs> oh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, it was just, it was totally, totally amazing. And you just, um, it's so fantastic to see so many of our American horses and riders. Now there's a new world ranking list out. And to see, I think all of us are in the top 30. Oh, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. And <laughs> I, awesome. It's just, um, it was really nice to know that people were looking out for us. You know, the way that we go and we spy on other teams, it's nice to know that people are spying on you too. You know, that, that they know <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're Yeah, they're watching and, out, right? Um, exactly. <laughs> so that's, that was really something that I think we've been working for the past couple of years. And, and people were prepared for us to put up a good fight. Oh, absolutely. So can you break break down a little bit your your individual rides and and what you were thinking going into the arena each time? Sure. Um so the Grand Prix went over 2 days and then from there they cut it down to let's see if I remember this correctly. I think it's um it was 6 teams and the top 8 individuals. So it would be the 8 individuals if they were not already on a team for a total of I think that makes 32 riders for the special. So um, I went on the second day of the Grand Prix and, um, Robert Dover, who has just been an amazing chef for our team. Um, and, and I hope we can hold on to him in whatever capacity he's willing because he's such an asset, um, that he, he's very, you know, it's a democracy in, in his team and he, we all have a meeting and we say, Hey, what does everybody think the order of go should be? And again, with the strategy, it's a little different than a, a jumping team necessarily, where it's just time and faults. And the last horse is going to be judged the same as the first horse. It's not quite that way in our sport. And so um, they asked if I would feel comfortable riding as anchor, which of course I'm I'm more than happy to do. And so um, I rode nerves of steel, last, right? Yeah, this is Laura Graves, yeah. nerves of steel. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, you know, I, you have, I have a a real ability to like separate my emotions from reality, and the reality is that being emotional doesn't help you. And the adrenaline, great, I'll hold on to that, but I can push the nerves and the judgments somewhere else when I'm riding. And, um, so yeah, I was riding last for our team on the second day and we, we got an okay draw as a team. Uh, not the best draw because we knew our biggest competition would be 
the Netherlands, and they drew after we did. So their anchor rider was Hans Peter and uh, Johnson. And so I knew, I mean, you kind of go ride for rider. And if you can beat the rider in your draw, you know that your team is going to end up above their team. Mm -hmm. Um, So without doing any math. And (laughs) so, um, yeah, I went in for the Grand Prix and, and the weather was just perfect for the first two days of competition. It was cool. I don't think it was above 70 degrees, so the horses were really able to perform. And, um, I mean, I went in really, really hoping. I've been riding every single test to try to ride 80%, but I knew my horse's training was just going really well, and I wanted so badly to ride a clean test. And, unfortunately, we had a couple big mistakes that I, I think held us off. Again, I don't, I don't even look at my tests afterwards because it makes me neurotic. <laughs> yeah. So I let, I let, I let Debbie do that. And then she like translates it into positive training. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I had a big mistake in my zigzag, which was so unfortunate because it felt fantastic. And then, um, watching it, it looked really fantastic and I'm finishing and I'm going, yeah, we've got this. And I know my horse. And that morning we had been in the arena for maybe 10 minutes. They allowed us in the stadium. And I said to Deb, I said, if he's going to spook at anything, it's going to be this big camera here right at um, C. And so I rode him toward the camera a number of times. And I rode him in canter and did my flying change. And he didn't care at all. But, of course, oh. they know when it's different. And um, I knew that would be the place that we could have a hiccup. But, of course, we did. Um, and he seemed very calm about it all, but I, even in the video, I watch back and I can say, okay, right there is where I asked him to do a flying change. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, it it didn't happen and, uh, it's a coefficient. So I was bummed about that. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to just ride these ones. And I go across the diagonal and we had a, a, a short change behind in the ones and those are a coefficient too. And, um, so that was disappointing, but you can't stop riding or you just lose even more points than you've already lost. So we finished on a high note, um, and he was extremely fresh. And so I was excited to go into the special, uh, which is normally a really good test for him. And I would say both his Piaf and Passage have improved by at least a point, if not a point and a half this year. And, um, you know, we're even getting, sometimes the judges are giving us eights for the Piaf, which he's not a horse who sits classically, but, um, he keeps an excellent diagonal rhythm. And so it's nice to see them rewarding that. Um, and I, that was a tougher day for us, the special, because we came in fourth ranked and, um, and maybe not my teammates had the rides that they were really hoping. And so did you did you know going in what kind of ride you would need to to um, to get that medal? I mean, I had I had an idea, but I I mean, I'm going to ride whether or not my team needs a, a 60 or they need a 70 or they need an 80. I'm going to ride for a 90. So, and whatever happens, it happens. You know, that's a little bit the thing with our sport is that we have this other living being. And sometimes we make mistakes that you, no matter what, you just cannot prevent. And so, um, I was prepared to just 
you know, pedal to the metal, make it happen. And, um, of course we all wanted a medal. And I think, you know, Allie went in first and she was able to top undercover score and all day I'm, you know, sitting at the barn because I can't watch on a day that I ride. So I'm sitting at the stables <laughs> and I'm getting messages yeah. from my team and I'm, um, hearing the Dutch scores and they went in the morning, we went in the afternoon, which was good for us. And, um, Every time one of their scores came in, I'm thinking, well, we can beat that. Casey can beat that score. Stefan can beat that score. I can beat that score. And so I'm feeling pretty positive as I'm, you know, getting my horse ready and getting ready myself. And, um, you know, Casey went in and I think there was a, a mishap with her score and one super low score and they had to do a correction and so, you know, the stress level starts going <laughs> oh. up. Okay, so then, all right, Stefan. And, you know, Stefan always feels more confident in the, the Grand Prix than he does in the special. But his horse had been schooling just fantastic. So I said, okay, Stefan, just go in there, you know, get that 77 that, that you can get. And um, he went in and I hear the crowd cheer because I'm already warming up now. And so I hear the crowd cheer and I'm thinking, yes, okay, Stefan did a great job and um, he had a good test, but I think the score was something like 74, which was still, oh. I, I want to say below what Arlando, which was the third horse to go for the Dutch. Oh. So at this point I'm, I'm saying, okay, well, I, all I can do is ride. You know, I had a, I had a great draw for this special and, and I'm just going to ride. So, um, we warmed him up just a very little bit. He felt amazing. He was frisky. He has this new thing where he like tries to buck me off for like 30 <laughs> seconds where we pull, after we pull his boots. He gets like really wild. And so, um, he's like, yeah, it's my turn next. And then he, he, you know, canters around bucking for a minute and then we settle down and and we do our job so this is now the new routine and I'm sure next year it will change but um <laughs> he was doing that and so I know he's feeling really good and we went in and I just could not have been more pleased with that test um Yay. I mean everything as you're riding sometimes you think well that didn't go so well so I really better push this trot extension and there was just never a time in that ride where I felt like an uh-oh moment. Mm -hmm. He just ticked along with more power and more precision than I've had on him in his life. And um, it was really, really nice to know that I was able to deliver for my team. It was... I didn't even know going in what kind of score I needed. It turns out it was something like a 73. So we would have been okay. But um, I felt, I did feel pressure, but I don't really get very nervous. And so we rode, and as I'm coming out of the arena, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm you know crossing my fingers, thinking, I hope that was what we needed. I hope this was enough. And as I'm walking out, um, my three teammates are all linked like arm in arm, just barreling down. I'm sure the other <laughs> riders were happy, but they were just 
barreling down the the entrance to the stadium and screaming, "You did it! You did it!" I think we all saw that. You know, that the, was awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a really nice moment. It was really awesome, and so to be able to give a score that we needed for the bronze medal, which I mean, that was our goal going into these games. Um, you know, it just makes me really proud, proud of our team, proud to be American and, you know, obviously proud of, of this horse and the training techniques that we, I think as most of us Americans try to embrace, um, when there are maybe some other, maybe faster routes to be taken that we approach our horses with such kindness and clarity and, um, it's really nice to see it reflected from the judges that they're appreciating the way that we train. And that to me was really, um, something that I think people took note of at this games. Absolutely. No, I think we all did. And just watching you guys was, it was just, it was thrilling just to be a part of it and just to see, you know, and that's our country and our riders. It was, it was really cool. So now moving into, you know, your freestyle day, you said you had two days off. So what did you do sort of leading into like, okay, now, now it's freestyle time. This is go time. What what did you do and prepare for that? So I don't read my tests. I'll I'll look at now they put um, for CDIs, they'll put a cover sheet. So you can just see your scores, which for me is helpful. But the comments as far as, you know, Piaf needs to sit more. It's like, thanks. You know, I, yeah. I, I read, I read <laughs> we, a dozen we didn't know times that. on every yeah. test. Yeah. So, <laughs> didn't know that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But so sometimes it'll make you picky on that thing that maybe you're not able to achieve. Um, and a little bit working with David Sticklin, who does score analysis, really helped me overcome the rut of being stuck on things that aren't going to help you. Um, and so I don't read my tests. I just read the, the numbers. And um, I noticed on my cover page for my special that at least two of the judges had me in third place. Um, so I, I start saying to myself, you know, I said to Deb, I said, you know, Debbie, two judges had me in third and she said I know and I said I I could be riding for a medal maybe and she said I know (laughs) so this is kind of in my head going in and unfortunately for my big horse who doesn't breathe so well (laughs) um, it was like 90 plus degrees um, the day of our freestyle. And I think I rode at about one thirty in the afternoon. Oh man. So it was really hot and, um, we, we took it super easy in the warm up, and, and looking back, he was so perfect in the warm up that I could have even snuck out of the barns a little bit later. Um, but we didn't overwork him. We did a lot of walking and then I'd pick him up, do with something, let him walk again. And he was just so super. Again, we pulled his wraps and, um, and he does his little bucking thing. <laughs> I have, um, I had a little, I had a whole new canter music that I had never ridden to before. Um, and for Olympic games, you need special permissions to use all the tracks and we were unable to obtain the right to use the canter music for my original freestyle. 
Um, it was owned by, I think, the NFL for a trophy uh, presentation oh. that they gave. They, they oh. would not let us use it. Oh, so, I didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah. And your music is, is, is to Rudy. It's awesome. Yes, it's such a great it freestyle. Awesome. Yeah. And so last minute, um, you know, I work with Terry Gallo on this one and she contacted the composer and he, he gave us another piece of music that worked really well, but I had never written to it before. Oh my gosh. So, um, so that was a little bit going in. Of course I listened to it. I mean, hundreds, if not a thousand times, but, um, it was a little bit unsure going in quite how it was going to ride. And, um, when we started my test, I knew he wasn't quite as fresh as the special, but he went in. This horse always does his job. And uh, we got to the canter music, and I found myself ahead in a couple places, but I think I was able to pretty much save a bit of the choreography, and I just didn't feel totally on like I did in the special. And I had an excellent draw for the freestyle, so I was really excited going in. Only one rider after me. And, um, we finished the test and the thing, I just knew this horse had tried his, his absolute best. And we had done both lines of the changes, which are really difficult. And he had done them both very clean. And so I was happy about that. Um, but just not necessarily the spark that he has when I feel like he's really on. And so we finished our test and I said to him, you know, buddy, you did the best job you could have done for me. And I knew, I knew in my heart that we had finished shy of a medal, even before Isabel went. I, I knew, um, you just kind of have a feeling sometimes. And so, um, I came out and I, I never not pleased with this horse, but, um, I knew that it wouldn't be a score that would put us on the podium. So that was a little disappointing. And then I heard the score and it was, you know, really high, another personal best for me. And the whole crowd starts booing. And I thought, come on now. I thought the judges were really fair. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, sometimes you just, it goes to show you can't, you can't please everybody. <laughs> and so, um, man, they were hard on the judges, but the judges really did a great job. And, um, it's a, amazing company to be in um just to think that i finished up there behind the world number one the former world number one who holds all the world records and and isabel verth who's a living legend yeah oh my god it gives me um, chills i'm like yeah that's so incredibly awesome yeah so very amazing and to think what could have happened on a different day or um what could happen at the next world event makes me really excited. You know, it makes me that much more competitive to know how, how close we are. You know, I'm, we're breathing down the necks now of these other countries and that's, that's so exciting for the U S. Wow. It's fantastic. Well, Laura, really, truly, you gave us all chills and we couldn't have been more excited watching you and you did such an amazing job. So uh, real quick, we've taken so much of your time tonight and we are so thankful. What, what are you and Diddy doing now? What's the next plan? 
No, I feel like I've been doing all the talking. I feel like I'm taking up all of your time. No, we <laughs> love uh, it. We keep you all awesome. night. Yeah, really <laughs> like awesome. we keep you all so, night. <laughs> so Diddy and I now, uh, I have to get back to reality. I've got um, other horses to ride, and we have a lot of farm projects that have been postponed because of my travel. So a lot of other aspects of my life to to get back in touch with. But um, Diddy's on complete vacation. So a couple days a week, I, I jump on him without a saddle and we just go for hacks. Uh, but my goal is to, unless he gets really out of hand, <laughs> which he can, which he can. Um, but my goal is to not have to put a saddle on him until the end of October or beginning of November. So he just enjoys long walks and um turnout and grooming and um just all the things he likes and none of the things that he doesn't so um yeah he gets a big vacation are we gonna gonna see you at the world cup in nebraska oh i hope so that would be uh, (laughs) yeah for sure we've got um there was a woman who is from that area who was handing out ponies omaha 2017 stuffed ponies at Aachen. Yes. I have a pony. Really yeah, you don't have to go to Europe for that. No, and there's nothing like riding in front of a hometown crowd. And so if we had the opportunity, if we can get our scores up there again next year and, and get to the World Cup, I I hope we can just put on a real heck of a show. And um yeah, I wouldn't pass up the opportunity to. I wanted to do World Cup this year. It just did not fit into our plans. Um, but there's nothing like it. That indoor atmosphere, the loud music, the fans get a little rowdy. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> that wouldn't time. be Phil yeah. and I. That's not Phil and I. We're, we're no, I, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, we can't wait. And Laura, we'd love to have you back on to talk about that when we when we get there. And well, Laura, how can our listeners follow you online? I do try to keep up with social media. Um, we have both a personal and a fan page on Facebook. Uh, my post on Instagram, Laura Graves Dressage, and we're also on Twitter. Awesome. Well, we will all follow you. Thanks so much, Laura. Thanks, guys. Well, for our final episode of our Through the Levels from the Judges Perspective, we're going to have Janet Foy on to speak about the Grand Prix Special, and she is our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight, I am so excited. Janet is, is stayed with us to go through the Grand Prix special. And Janet Foy is a USEFS judge, an FEI four-star judge. She's a rider, FEI rider, trainer, clinician, and author. Janet, welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. Thank well, you. Looking forward to talking about the special. I know. We had a great discussion last week on the Grand Prix. So we're going to continue it with the Grand Prix special. So I'll let you jump right in. Well, let's talk about the special and what makes it different. Um, some horses, I have to say, are really 
they love the special because they get to go forward and come back and forward and come back. And that's really, really helpful for a lot of horses. And some horses who may not be so really well-trained and supple in their transitions, the special becomes a very difficult test for them. So um, the comment used to be back in the old days that oftentimes the special was thought to be harder than the Grand Prix, mainly because the Piaf was asked for out of the walk rather than um, out of the passage. And so you go from a four-beat rhythm to a two-beat rhythm. And then they put a transition from walk into Piaf now in the intermediate A and B. So I don't think we can have that discussion anymore. So for me, I would say if someone said what makes the test more difficult, um, I would say the amount of transitions the horse has to do. It's um, right on the ladder. It's not like training level anymore where you have between these two letters, when you're ready after you've, you know, burned <laughs> a little incense and, you know, done all you can, give it a shot. You know, at Grand Prix, it is, boom, at this letter, has to happen, and you get a score for it. So um, the movements are basically the same. Nothing new comes into the special. It's just how they're combined. The, um, the passage and the extensions are put together with a transition to passage, then the passage into an extension directly from passage, another transition score that talks about how the horse went from passage into extended and back to passage, and then another passage score. And that happens twice. They do that both directions. So that movement um, being repeated twice is worth quite a lot of marks. Um, the Tanner half passes are in a different place. They now um, mirror the trot half passes from the Grand Prix. So there's no zigzag in the canter. Rather, we have the um, very, very oblique angle from the corner to um, E and B flying change back over to the other corner. So, um, they're different. Um, would I say they're easier? No, I don't think so. They're just um, in a different place. And the trot half passes also have a very um, steep angle. It's the same angle as in the Grand Prix, but it's done after the horse leaves passage and goes back into trot. And there's very few strides of collected trot before the half pass has to start. And you see quite a few mistakes there where the horse misunderstands the aid because those transitions are so quick and the horse canters. Um, so it the horse has to be so, oh, so attuned and the rider has to be so good. I mean, we talk about this test and really the rider has two legs, two seat bones and two hands, you know, the same aids that they had at training level. But now, you have to produce all these movements with such sophisticated aids that there really is no room for mistakes in the special because things happen even quicker in the special than they happened in the Grand Prix. Um, the extended walk to collected walk, and now the horse has to do a collected walk, make a turn, 
and at G again, right in front of the judge, yeah. pick up the piaf. And the difficulty there is from the four beat rhythm directly into the two beat rhythm um, of the piaf. So it's um, that can be a little problematic for some of the horses. We see often a little bit of resistance um, at that moment. Actually, sometimes we see a lot of resistance. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, Woo! that's that's a place where. Um, the the piaf's not so friendly coming out of the walk because remember we talk about the walk not having any impulsion um, because it doesn't have any um, suspension and so to come from a very flat uh, different rhythm into that quicker hind leg I think mentally can be a little bit overwhelming for some horses so um, something I didn't mention yeah and something I didn't mention Last week, which I probably should have, but there was so much to talk about, but we can mention this now, that we have to, as judges now, say, okay, if the first piaf is traveling too much, or if there was resistance and the horse traveled past center line, and really we didn't see any piaf until the the quarter line, and then finally, we saw some piaf and then passage. It has to be marked in both boxes because um, the piaf was not at the right location and there was some resistance. The transition was resistant. And then also, we have to mark the passage down because we didn't see the correct amount of passage um, because it took so long through the that line of travel for the rider to establish the piaf. So that mistake can actually influence three scores. And I think that's important for riders to understand um, that, you know, the the sins just keep piling up. (laughs) You know, you don't have any room. um, Just take a breather and say, okay, that's no problem because I now have two corners I can reorganize because that doesn't happen in this test. Um, the, the other difficulty in this test is you now have one tempi changes between the pirouettes. Oh. So to allow room for that, the very first pirouette has to be placed directly as you turn the corner at D as in dog. And um, that can be a very tricky place because you have to be pretty smart about how you use that corner and get your horse collected. Um, so that as, as soon as the hind legs come around the corner, you basically need to start pirouetting. Um, and then you go from that most collected canter, which also has the quickest tempo of any canter. We talked about that last week, that the Piaf has the quickest tempo of any of our trots. Um, the pirouette canter should have the quickest tempo of any of our canters. And, so you have to quickly go from that to the most forward collected canner you have to do your changes, your wind tempi changes. And you now are on center line going straight toward the judge at C. And again, any deviation in straightness is going to be, I mean, anybody can see that. You could say that judge was blind, but I tell you, that judge can see that. That's one thing they're not going to miss. So, um, you know, you really don't have 
you really don't have much time to organize, get the horse forward, and then get your changes done, especially if your horse has nice big ground covering changes, because then you quickly have to go back for your second pirouette, which is at G. And that's so close to the rail that a lot of horses are not very forward thinking at that moment. And um, I would say we see more mistakes in that second pirouette than we do the first one. And unfortunately, if you have problems in your one tempies, here's another place that, you know, a mistake in that movement can really snowball into that second pirouette, which is a double coefficient. So, um, you know, it can be a little bit, um, that's a very difficult center line. It's very hard. And, and Janet, wouldn't you say, have, sorry, mm-hmm. Janet, wouldn't you say with the one times, like, if you really can't nail the ones, like, if you're like, well, maybe don't do the special. <laughs> like, it's uh, so right. hard. Like, you really. Exactly, <laughs> because you have to show them twice. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not like, oh, that's the only place you show them. You have to do two lines of one tempies. Um, and I think also the the special, because of the transitions, that if you are um, a little wobbly on your ice skates, you probably should not try a triple axle, you know, because you're going to fall down. Um, So the special is a little bit the same thing. If you're a little bit wobbly, this is not the place for you to be because there's just too many um, things happen too quickly. You don't really have a chance uh, to regroup and reorganize. And I think you could see that at the Olympics as well, that um, the riders that just basically nailed the Grand Prix and they got into the special and then you started to see, you know, the placings change. Uh, There was a lot of movement up and down in the individual ranks. Um, It was, I mean, it was a nail biter. Think of, of, we had to wait for us, for the U.S., for Laura to come in, and it was like, oh, my gosh. And I tell you, thank goodness she had nerves of steel, and she just went in there and rode her panties off. But, um, you know, you could see the, the let's say, the less experienced horses had, had some issues with the special, where they were really stellar in the Grand Prix. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, don't go there unless... Um, yeah. You, you know, you've tried it at home under the supervision of an instructor. <laughs> multiple, multiple for times. Sure. Multiple for times. Sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard. And I do have to say, I'm glad back in the old days, um, I keep saying the old days, but it really is getting that way, it seems. Um, when we had the special, we had the two 10-meter voltates, remember, at X? So I we had massage. I didn't write I didn't Did write you that do one. that one? No. Oh, uh, well, so you're, no, sorry. you're way younger than me. Yeah, you'd come down center line, and then you would voltate 10 meters at X, then you would pee off, and then you would voltate again, and then finish the rest of the way down center line and halt at G. So um, that was a tricky little maneuver, too, but they did take that out, thank goodness. So, um, you know, at at the end of the day, the test, that test happens if Grand Prix if you're on drugs, this one is on speed, you know, it's like <laughs> boom, 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 boom. So you really have to, you know, know your horse, you have to trust your horse and your horse has to be pretty confident and on your aids to make it happen. Um, 
So yeah, it's a it's a tough test. And and you don't really see it. Do you see it much at regular USCF shows or mostly in CDIs? The special. Yeah, that's a good question, and I have to say I haven't really thought about that. But I yeah. have to say I probably have not judged a Grand Prix special in a regular old show for years. Yeah, even in the um, FEI test of choice. And, you know, there's really no reason to do it because um, you ride the Grand Prix at all the regionals. Yeah. You don't have a Grand Prix special class, a championship class. And I think that's why, you know, if there's no championship class for it, they won't ride it. Yeah. That's why the yeah. riders test just failed, you know, because there were no awards. Right. That's a sad thing to say, but I think it's a true thing to say. Yeah. No, and it, you know, you don't see it super often, but it is it's it's super it's once you can ride it, it it's a real I think it's a real achievement. You're like, "Yes, we got the special." It's because it is it is really difficult, but it's fun once you really have a horse that can do it. It is fun it to is. watch. It's fun to ride and fun to watch. Yeah. It was really I had one horse, it was his best test because he he would just get bored, ho hum ho hum, you know. And that test kept him lively, kept him thinking because things change so quickly. So for him, he was much better in that test than the Grand Prix. The Grand Prix is like, oh, yeah, I know this one. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's how my horse was. And he was, you know, he was short and quick and could make those turns and could do the transitions. And he, uh, you know, once we rode it a few times and I was over the shock and awe of it. It was quite <laughs> fun, but it, it, it is something to, to, to go over. And, and it's a lot of fun and I hope everybody enjoyed. And, and when you see it at a CDI, you can really appreciate uh, the challenges of that versus the Grand Prix because they are very different challenges. Um, yeah, but they really are. Janet, thank you so much for all your time and going through these tests. It was so much fun. And uh, Janet is also an author of some great books, Dressage, Question and Answer, and Dressage for the Not-So-Perfect Horse. And Janet, how would our listeners find uh, the books online? Well, they can either go to Amazon. They're uh, both for sale there. Or they can go to my publisher's website, which is Trafalgar Press. And they can order the books directly from there as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Janet. We're going to talk about the new girth that uh, Justin has. And Phil and I have both tried this girth, and it's fantastic. So, Phil, take it away. I've had it. It's called, uh, for quite a bit, it's called the Stretch Tech Shoulder Relief Girth. It has all the same awesome qualities and features of the shoulder relief girth, only that this one has a triangular elastic center that, um, that allows the horse's chest to expand and uh, it makes a softer contact with the horse's sternum. So it's it's taken all the qualities of that nice shoulder relief girth and enhanced them even further and uh, made an awesome girth to allow your horse to breathe a little better. Um, it fits awesome. It you know, allows the, sh- the shoulder freedom that we've talked about, puts your saddle in the exact right place where you want it to stay. I like to test things out to see if they you know mm-hmm. stand up to the rigorous training schedule work schedule of of the horses that we have and i've used it almost every day and it's it's been a a really great growth i think it's even better than the shoulder relief growth um because it's got it's got more liners you can you have options you know what you want Mm -hmm. to be on against the horse i have the the leather one and what i've really been liking is the the neoprene liner which is easy you can take it off 
hose it down or put it in the wash or whatever, and it's been extremely durable and it fit forms to the horse. Well, Phil, that was a jam-packed show. It, it's been busy lately. We're trying <laughs> to record a couple of shows all at once and doing a lot of stuff because Jen and Glenn are off to uh, Colorado, is it, Jen? We are. We are off to Colorado for a vacation. Well deserved. <laughs> well deserved, for sure. Oh, that'll be so fun. And then then I go to regionals and Phil has competitions. So I don't know what it is about September, but it seems like it was you know, pretty quiet. We had Olympic fever here and watched a lot of Olympics. And, and now it's like, oh, my goodness. Now we're actually we're going back to work now, so which is great. So I hope everyone is gearing up for their fall season and getting ready for regionals and national finals. Um, so all good stuff. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best place to find me is on Facebook or you can email me at philip at horseradionetwork.com. I can thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and shoulders back, and we'll be back next week. 